We are glad that y'all are here. I'm excited. This is going to be a lot of fun. My name is Daniel Young. I am the I am the uh, director. Yes. Yes. I'm the director of Chi Alpha Christian Fellowship here at UTRGV. So. What is Chi Alpha? These small group leaders are people that have been following you around, desperate to be your friend. That's us. Hi, welcome. Nice to meet you. We are a ministry that is in love with Jesus. That's why we're here. That's what we care about. That's what we're passionate about. We want to know Jesus more. We want to get closer to Jesus. And everything we do is based around and centered around small groups. How many of you here um, know exactly what your major is? You know what you're going to do. You've already declared it. How many of you are freshmen? You're like, I know exactly what I'm going to do. Any freshmen? Any bold freshmen? Okay, yeah. What's up, girl? What's up? Yeah, that's awesome. And then, so how many are like me? And you're like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. My parents made me come here. That's why I'm going, okay, we got some honesty in the back. Praise the Lord. I have no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I had no clue. I never really decided. It was not until my junior year in college where the advisors kind of sit you down and like, you know, you have to make some decisions in your life. <laughs> what do you enjoy? And I'm like, no, I don't know, not this. And, and they're saying, you got to choose. You got to make up your mind. What, why are you here? What are you doing here? Why are you in college? What are your dreams? What is, what is it that you are here to do? And so basically I just pointed at the easiest thing I could see on the page, which is communication studies. Anybody communication studies? Uh, I just yeah. threw mud at you, so. <laughs> yeah, Woo! communication, learn how to talk right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that's what I did. I chose communication studies because I had no idea. I just, they forced me to pick something, and so then I finally decided to choose, some, choose something. So people always asking me growing up, and people have asked you the same question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Now it's funny, because I'm semi kind of a grown up, and I'm still asking myself, what do I want to be when I grow up? <laughs> but I never declared this major until they actually forced me to. Now, it's interesting when you study what the culture is interested in, especially young people especially junior high, high school, and even getting into college age groups, what do you aspire to be when you become an adult and grow old and get gray hairs and all of that? Well, a study, recent study just came out, and they did a study of 3,000 kids. These are modern Generation Z kids in the United States. They did a study and asked that question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Every single year, every single year, number one place, you know what that was? Astronaut. What do you want to be when you grow up? The number one answer for the United States for children when they asked, like when they did this study, is always astronaut. Do you want to know what it is now? The number one job that people, your generation, your little sisters, your little brothers, and you yourselves aspire to do when you grow up is to be a YouTuber. <laughs> a YouTube video blogger. That is your dream. Hey guys, it's just the studies. I'm just quoting studies, okay? That's your dreams. That's our generation and the culture that we live in now aspires not to go to the freaking moon, but to sit in front of a computer screen and record yourself all day. Welcome to 2019, ladies and gentlemen. 
You want to know, Ash, so YouTube replaced 29% of the most sought after career. Astronaut is bumped down to number to 11%, which is like fifth place. So let's, that, that's the world we live in, guys. But I want to ask you tonight, what are you doing here? Why are you here? Why did you come to college? Why did you, maybe you're not in school, maybe you're at SDC, maybe you're at UCRGV, maybe you go to most of your classes in Brownsville, maybe you're not a student, you're just here because you saw a big crowd and you just kind of snuck in and now you're here. <laughs> well, I want to tell you, you're welcome here and we love you and you, it doesn't, we don't, everyone's lives in this in Kayafa look totally different. So whether you're a student or not, I want to ask you tonight, what are you here for? What are your dreams? What do you think you are here on this earth to do. Now in Luke chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, open them to Luke chapter 5. We're going to study a few of these disciples. We're going to talk about an encounter that they have with Jesus. This is in Luke chapter 5. And we're going to read about how these guys basically have a run-in with destiny. They have the whole, a total course change in their life. They totally go, or they're going one direction in their life, and all of a sudden things have changed, and they're going a completely other way because of this encounter with Jesus. Let's read. I'm going to start in chapter 5, and I'm going to start in verse 1. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along, but if not, we got it on the screen. Let's see what the Bible says. Verse 1. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Go out where it is deeper and let your nets to catch some fish. Let down your nets to catch some fish. Verse 5. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. At this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boats. And soon, both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please forgive me. I am too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James, John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishers for people. As soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Let's pray tonight. Jesus, we ask you to speak to us. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Help us get it. Everybody say, get it. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. All right. So, guys, what's going on here? Jesus has encountered these disciples, and he's had this moment with them, and there's something that we're going to tap into tonight, so I hope you take notes, I hope you take very careful attention, because I believe God's going to move tonight, and he's going to speak to every one of us, amen. Guys, in Chi Alpha, what this is, Chi Alpha Christian Fellowship, this is our large group meeting, which this is the largest group meeting we've ever had, by the way, which is awesome. But... This large group meeting is basically an accumulation of all of our small groups. So if you want to know how to get involved in Chi Alpha, if you want to know about our mission trips that we have going on, if you want to know about the retreats that we have in San Antonio, if you want to know about all of these things, your key and your ticket to knowing what's going on is your small group leader. Yeah. So if you're in small group, you are in Chi Alpha. There's not a you don't sign a form, you don't do nothing. You just hang out with your small group. 
And my challenge to you and my orders to you this semester is to have as much fun as you possibly can. Okay? So that's have as much fun as you possibly can with your small group. Please don't break any laws. It's, it has to be said. It has to be said. Sorry. So this semester, guys, we're going to go through a sermon series that I'm calling Absolutes of a Christ-like Army. For the next six to seven weeks, we're going to discuss absolutes of a Christ-like army. Now, what, is, what do I mean by this? What is an absolute? When I say absolute, what I mean by that is that something that is resolutely true, something that is resolutely true and does not change. That's what I mean by an absolute. It might be a principle. It might be a person. It might be a certain idea. But when we're talking about absolutes, these are convictions of a Christ-like army that never change. They are absolute. They are absolute in what they mean and their meaning underneath the surface there. Francis Schaeffer, now, now I want to, before I say this quote, I want to just forewarn you. When you come to Chi Alpha, you are not allowed to not think. I know this might feel a little bit like church. I know this looks a little bit like church. We're perfectly okay with that. We're not ashamed of that. But you are not allowed to come to Chi Alpha Church, kids. I'm looking at you. I'm looking at all you. I can say this because I'm a church kid because I know. You are not allowed to turn your brain off when you come to Chi Alpha. You need to turn your brain on. You need to think. Because if you shut your brain down, the Lord will not get that word in your ears that he's trying to get into. Okay? He is going to speak to us. The Holy Spirit's going to actually really teach us something. So I want you to think really hard because the Lord's going to really teach us something. Francis Schaeffer says something brilliant. He says this about absolutes. If there are no absolutes by which to judge society, society is absolute. Now, what does that mean? Everyone in here is smarter than I am, so I guarantee you, you know what I'm talking about. If there are no absolutes, he says, by which to judge society, if there are no rules, if there are no objective moral values that are hanging above society, that society adapts itself to, then if there's no, no law above that, then that means society itself is absolute. That means whatever the society decides to come up with as a good law, that becomes an absolute law that no one can question. And you study history, you see this all the time. You see this all over the history books, how societies declared there is no God over us. We decide what is right and wrong. And then societies go off into chaos. Time and time and time again in cultures, these things have happened. But Francis Schaeffer is making a good point. If you're comfortable with society really making up all the rules, then throw out God. But if you know that, that if an, a society, no matter what, I mean, Robbie Zacharias says some neighbors, when you move into a neighborhood, they come in and bake you a cake or a pie, right? Other neighbors, they eat themselves. Which do you prefer? <laughs> right? One society thinks eating each other's good fine thing to do because we've got to survive and another society makes a cake anyone want to vote which one you'd rather have if there are no absolutes do you see what i'm saying here if there are no absolutes over this society then society what it comes up with is absolute and we're going to talk about this because the kingdom of god has absolutes the kingdom of god has absolutes now in our youtube twitch tv culture we have a hunger for choices and options. If you don't like the church by the pastor that you heard preaching last Sunday, that's okay. There's about 18 other churches down the street that will preach a gospel that you really like and it's a little bit nicer. We got options, people. We got options. 
But the gospel is simple. The gospel says you either know Jesus or you do not know Jesus. It's an absolute. It's an absolute. And we're going to go in that. Now, what are the disciples seeing here? Let's go back to the scripture. The disciples are fishing. This Peter, James, and John. They're having a terrible night. Who's been fishing like me and spent all night and caught absolutely nothing? Okay. Ever, all of you people will relate to this. Peter's like, gosh, Jesus, we were fishing all night and caught nothing. Do you really, kind of, you know, you see like the, the subtle attitude there. Like, do you really want us to go out there again? I mean, come on, I'm the fisherman. I know what I'm talking about, that kind of thing. And so what we got here is the disciples are seeing Jesus and a few things are going on. So what do they see? Let's talk about this. What are they seeing in Jesus? What is Jesus doing? The first thing that these disciples see is Christ on the shore. They walk up. Jesus walks up, rather. They're sitting in the boats. The boats are empty. They're chilling out. They're eating. They're doing whatever, and they're waiting, and they see Christ on the shore. Now, Scripture suggests that these disciples had already walked with Jesus. Follow very carefully with me. They says, it says that these disciples, Peter, James, and John, had actually encountered Jesus and had walked with him before, but at some point along the way, they had gone home and back to their old lives. They had gone back to fishing because that's what they always had done. So Peter and these guys hung out with Jesus, but they found it a little too difficult, and they decided to go home and said, we'll see you later. But they went back to their old ways, you see. They went back to their old lives. Now, guys, here's another church word I'm going to throw out. Now, I know this is Chi Alpha. I know we're talking to church kids. I know we're talking to non-church kids. We, we understand where we're at. But I'm going to talk about a word called sin. Now, Sin is a highly, highly, highly super religious word that people throw around all the time, right? Almost in our generation, our culture today, the word sin almost doesn't mean anything. Because I think when you hear things over and over and over, like a billion times, you kind of get desensitized to it. So you hear the word sin, you're like, bro, preacher, I've heard this a billion times. What else is new? But what I want to tell you, sin is not just this thing that we do that, re that God really makes God uncomfortable. That's not what sin is. Sin is not this thing that just God arbitrarily chooses, I don't really like that, and so he calls it sin. That's not what's, what we mean when I'm saying sin is this. Sin is a violation of purpose. What sin is, is a violation of your purpose. What you were meant and what God had dreamed for you to do and that pathway to get you to that wild dream. Sin is the thing that interrupts you to getting to that dream. Sin is the thing that interrupts God's plan, his dream, in your life. That's what I mean by sin. Is everyone with me? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because we can't move forward until you get it. I'm going to take a, no test after this, whatever. <laughs> sin is a violation of purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you. That word in Hebrew can also be better translated to dreams. For I know the dreams I have for you, declares the Lord. Dreams to prosper you and not to harm you. Did you ever know that God has a dream for your life? He has a dream for you, for your life. And that means our sin, which violates our purpose, is the only thing that's going to get in the way of that dream that God has. Your parents can't get in the way of that dream. Your situation, your circumstances that you're in can't get away with that dream. Only you get in the way of that dream. Talk to the Apostle Paul who was in prison but still fulfilled God's dream for his life. You'll see what I'm saying? Yeah. Guys, the truly sad thing 
about a culture that turns down Jesus's dream is not that we turn it down because we like other stuff, we want to do other things that seem better, but that we turn down his superior dream for something small, inferior, and lifeless. Rather than going to the moon, our culture would rather be a weeb in front of a computer screen, <laughs> posting in the YouTube comment section, and getting on Twitch to stare at gamers sitting in chairs. What are you here to do, my friends? What are you here to do? The tragedy of this generation is when, Im is when immense potential, magnificent potential in this generation and magnificent vision and magnificent gifting, I'm talking about you, is wasted on meaningless living. Guys, real Grand Valley young people. God has a dream for your life. And that dream is the best dream you could ever imagine. He has a dream for you. I don't care how bad you screwed up. I don't care how terrible you think you are. God has a dream for you. He has a plan for your life. And that plan is better than any plan you could ever imagine. That's when we see Christ on the shore and we slowly approach him. That's what he's asking. When he slowly approaches our life, there's fixing to be a life change going on here. We are immediately revealed the things that in us need to change. The disciples felt that and they saw Christ on the shore, which caused this internal change to happen. The second thing the disciples see is Christ in the boat. What Peter does, they invite Jesus in the boat, and the second thing they see is that they're experiencing is first Christ is on the shore, we're kind of approaching him, but then it gets personal because Christ steps into the boat that we're in. If you who's ever read or seen the Chronicles of Narnia movies? Anybody seen those? So in the Chronicles of Narnia, in one of the movies, there's a selfish kid, a, a, a one of the cousins, he's like a really young brat and everyone can't stand him his name is Eustace Stubb is his name he's one of the most hated characters ever but there's this character arc that's going on in his life so he's got a selfish heart straight to the core and as time goes on he eventually turns into a dragon this is Narnia and that's things like that happen turns into a dragon and basically what's going on is he the the monster that was in his heart he basically became that thing the, the reality of his heart became his reality out here. And so I've been listening to a song, guys, all summer. I've been listening to a song all summer. I couldn't, I've not been able to shake it out of his head because it's truly profound. And the name of this song is about this Narnia character, Eustace Scrub. The name, and so there's this character is going through all these things and he realizes that I am not who I thought he was. And in the song, the lyrics say this. Listen to this first line. For the first in my life... I'm not living a lie, and I hate who I am. I've become what I feared and cried dragon tears just to prove I'm a man. I tried to change my appearance, but I'm not changed. I'm just tired. I tried to heal myself long before I met your gaze at the water. I'm at your feet. Would you tear into the deep of my heart to heal me? Guys, you know what's happening to Peter in this exact moment on this boat? He's realizing something inside of his heart is ugly, and he has to change. That's why he screams out to Jesus. So they, they see this miracle. Jesus proves to Peter again and again that I am faithful. Trust me, Peter. Trust me, Peter. I'm faithful. The fish start piling up in the nets, and their boat's starting to sink, and everyone's freaking out. And in that, that moment, 
He's looking in the mirror and he says, I am not who I thought I was. And he falls to his feet and says, depart from me, O Lord, I'm a sinful man. In other words, he's saying, I have been rejecting the one whom my heart has craved all along. Wow. Wow. Guys, I remember the day I got saved. I remember just like it was yesterday. I remember when Jesus came into my life and started to turn and change things. I was staring in the mirror. I thought everyone had given up on me. I thought my parents had given up on me. My friends had given up on me. My church and youth pastor, everything was going wrong. I'm looking in the mirror, and all of a sudden, it's like these scales come off my eyes, and I realize I thought I was a great person. But now I actually see who I am, and I'm horrified. Guys, the first step towards salvation is that moment of realization. The very next step is Jesus taking your hand and taking you into that boat and pulling out piles and piles of blessing and fish out of the water. You see what I'm saying here? It doesn't happen unless there's that moment. I'm looking in the mirror and I'm going, Jesus, I need saving. I need saving. Christ in the boat will do this to you. When you invite Christ into your life and you invite him in that boat, he will do this to you and your heart will be revealed. You will, listen to this, RGV, Chi Alpha, you will eventually become exactly like the things that you harbor in your heart. You will become that thing. Whatever you keep and harbor in your heart secretly, you will become exactly like that thing. And every time we try to fix ourselves and fix ourselves and fix ourselves, all we do is just exhaust ourselves. Just like the song says, very, very prophetic, I think. The third thing that disciples see is Christ at the helm. Christ at the helm basically just means that Christ with the steering wheel. Christ at the boat, at the back of the boat, with the steering wheel, steering and everything. And Peter, I want you to know this, when Peter calls out master, and he calls out to Jesus, that word master, that translation, I'm not going to say it in Greek because everyone will laugh at me, but... He, said, he says this word in, in Aramaic, master, and in the Greek that we read, it says, which it means literally translates to captain. So one, right here, Peter acknowledges that Jesus is the captain of this ship, which is kind of cool, right? He says, captain, come on board, he says, and all this. Captain, we've been fishing all night, he says. And then all this stuff happens, and then Peter falls on his face and repents and says, Jesus, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. And then Jesus responds with these beautiful words. Now, remember that moment in the mirror. You realize who you are. The very next words out of Jesus the Messiah's mouth is, don't be afraid. Don't fear. Don't worry. I know what you think you are, Jesus is saying. I know you, he's saying that. I know who you are. You don't scare me away with all your stuff. I don't care. He's saying, come to me. He says, that is how easy it is to invite Jesus into your boat. It's just, come to me, and whenever that moment of fear, Jesus is there, immediately says, Peter, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. Now, what does he mean by that? That's really painful if you think about actually fishing for humans. I just want to lay that out there. I want to lay that out there. It would be very, very painful to actually do literally. So Jesus is not meaning it literally. But what he's saying is very important here. So Peter... The desires of his heart was the fish. Some people just love fishing. That might not be me, but some people here might relate. There's that feel of hitting that lure and, and getting that bait and reeling it in, reeling that fish in. You pull it out and take a big picture. Someone knows what that feels like. That's what Peter loves. Now, I find it fascinating because Jesus didn't say, come, follow me, and I'll, I'll make you a fixer of men. 
But maybe if you, if you're in here and you like to fix stuff, your passion is fixing, Jesus probably would have said that. The thing that you're passionate about, insert that word there. Come, follow me, I'll make you a fixer of men. I'll make you, if fishing's your thing, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. I'll make you a cleaner of men's hearts. You see what I'm saying here? Jesus is pulling out the things that Peter loves and he's sanctifying it and making it work for the kingdom. You see what I mean by Jesus' dream? Jesus' dream is not from now on, everything you're good at, get rid of it. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, everything you're good at, give it to me, and I'll sanctify it. Yeah. And it will actually be useful in the kingdom. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? That's what he's telling Peter. Come follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men. Meaning, you're going to change the world, Peter. You're going to change the world. And Peter's like, what does this mean? Right? What on earth? Right? Guys, what we're saying, and we say this many times in Chi Alpha, when you follow Jesus, what that means is that we will lay down our small ambitions and follow Jesus to save the world. Lay down your small ambitions and come with me, he says, to save the world. Peter only saw the thing that he had. Peter only saw right here. He saw only in front of his feet. But Jesus saw what Peter would become. Jesus knew what Peter eventually would be. And when you keep reading the Gospels and get in the chapter in the, in the book of Acts, after Pentecost, Peter is literally preaching to 3,000 people and 3,000 people are getting saved because this transformation of this life, this wonderful life with Jesus that Peter had led. We always see the brokenness and the thing that we have to carry. I've told people before, like, like you don't know what it's like to be me, I have to live with me every day. You know what I'm saying? You know, anyone never think that before? Like, I'm even fed up with me. Anyone feel like that? I'm so fed up with me. Ugh. I think we all do. But Jesus is, this is what Jesus is saying, is I know who you are now, but I also know who I want, I can make you become. And only by that road to walk with Jesus and inviting him and being the captain of your ship at the helm will that take place. When you let Christ take the helm, get ready, guys. Get ready. When Jesus takes the helm of your life, you know why? Because God always breaks every net he fills. And you just wait to see what Jesus does in your life when you begin to trust him. And you begin to let your life fall onto him and your worries and your cares fall onto him. God breaks every net he fills. I'm going to ask Brittany to return. And we're going to close with this. Guys, Something about me I want you guys to understand. Some, many of you, this is the first time you've met me. Hello. <laughs> Others, you know how ridiculous and silly I am. So just wait. Uh, <laughs> but I remember I, my biggest issue and my biggest frustration was the fact that I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know what to do. Like, I felt like everything was a plan B. Everything. Everything I thought, well, I could do music, but it just wasn't the thing. I could major in this, and I could go. My brother was in law enforcement. He's doing really good. He's like the pride of the family. He's in the FBI. He's doing all this awesome stuff. He's like arresting people right now. Like, literally right now. He's arresting people. And... And the family's like, we've got three sons. One of them is, is an FBI agent. Ooh, ah. And he's like, wow. 
And then my, we have an other son, younger, and, and he's a graphic designer for a multi-million dollar company. Ooh, ah. And then our third son, he's a, he's a missionary. But the FBI, right? Crazy. Now, that's not totally the truth of my story, but many people, that is the story. You feel like an embarrassment. You feel like there's just nothing you can do to make things better. You feel like there's nothing you can do to fix what's going on in your life. Guys, Jesus is asking us to lay down some stuff in order to follow him. That's true. He's asking us to lay things down. But you might be like me, and you don't have this whole dream and desire. You might be like me, and you're like, I got a bunch of plan Bs. I actually don't have a dream and kind of wish I did. Guys, Jesus will give you a dream beyond your wildest dreams. Right? He will. He will give you a destiny. He will give you something to be proud of. He will turn you into something beautiful for his kingdom if we be willing to lay down everything. Let's stand tonight. Guys, absolute number one, I want us to look at the screen together. The first conviction that we're talking about tonight is this. Absolute number one is Christ's dreams is our destiny. Christ's dreams for your life, that's your destiny. What are you here to do? Why are you here on this earth? Why are you a college student? Why were you born in the terrible generation of 2019? With all these strange people. So, I mean, we're kind of strange too, so I guess that fits. But guys, what Jesus' dream is, that's your destiny. And if you embark on this journey with RGV Chi Alpha and you stick in small group, and I encourage you to do, we're going to chase after Jesus. We're going to follow him. And we're going to find him. And he's going to blow your minds. Let's pray. Jesus.